Welcome back to the Front Row Show. Derek Hansen with you on the Mighty 790 KFGO. It's good to have with us for a little, well, get a little look at the Vikings, what's going to happen in the offseason, and also look at the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. John Holler from the Viking Update is with us. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I can't complain. I think the one thing that... Yes, you can. Well, I... You have every right to complain. I I do, but I just, I try not to do it on the air. It's more when I'm off the air with you complain about the... uh, cold and all that we could do that to we're blue in the face and we literally do especially if we walk outside and start complaining but uh, yeah, we could be blue in the face and be happy <laughs> exactly um you saw my post the other day and i like to think i'm not just saying this as a viking fan but this has been a conversation we've had all week long and start with the jack michael show on our sister station the fan on monday the angst that saints fans have oh the irony of it all and I know that the call against the Rams was egregious. I get that. But to talk yeah. about lawsuits and all that, I mean, as a Viking fan who has plenty of angst within NFL games, even at the officials, I can't help but laugh. I mean, this is ridiculous. And the fact that it got enough credence to actually get filed. You know, it actually got filed. And they threw it out because you can't really sue a sports league because you don't like the result. And uh, I, I think the, as Super Bowl week hits, Roger Goodell is going to face the question about that. And I'm hoping it doesn't just open the big can of worms. Cause usually it takes something like that. You know, why do we have uh, each team gets a possession in overtime unless a touchdown is scored. It's because of the Vikings and the saints from, from January of 2010 yep. after the 2009 season. On a the bad Saints call, won by the, the toss, way, yes. Scored a field goal, game over. The Vikings never touched the ball in overtime. And they still have that rule in, but if you score a touchdown, the other team doesn't get the ball. And there were people from uh, Kansas City making the same complaint. You know, all we did was we, we didn't call the coin. They called the flip. They won the flip, and Pat Mahomes never got his hands on the ball. That's not fair. And I hope that they don't change the replay rules to make everything uh, reviewable. Because if you actually watch, you know, let's use Adam Thielen as an example. If you watch Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are held on 75% of plays. And some refs allow hand fighting to take place down the field. Others don't. Now, this one was a crazy example because I've seen it on um, the all 22 tape and there are refs on both sides of that play where if one ref is kind of maybe blocked by the ball and misses it, it's one thing, but to have two guys miss a call where not only did he get there before the ball did and knock him down, it was a helmet to helmet hit. Right. So he should have got a personal foul if nothing else. But when it comes to misery for the saints, I'm fine with that. Well, yeah, go Have back. At it, boys. Go back and watch your Super Bowl, you know, NFL firm, films version of the game against the Colts, and watch the onside kick over and over again. I mean, come on. I mean, you're not going to get any sympathy from me on this. And I go back to because I've had this. You and I maybe have had this conversation before. As much as I cringe about Bounty Gate and the late hits and you know all that, the Vikings still turned the ball over five times. Right, right. No, they had that the game. Saints were not the better team on the field that day. In fact, NFL Network reran that game a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if it was a masochist in me. I, I maybe watched that game 
maybe two or three times in 10 years. And I decided I, I was doing nothing. It was cold. It was snowing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch it. And, oh, God, it was just so painful. You know, where they actually benched Adrian Peterson for about a quarter because he fumbled three times. And it was where they happened. You know, there was two of them uh, inside the 10-yard line of the Saints. So you're 10 yards from a touchdown or less. And the other one was inside their own 10-yard line, which just led to an easy touchdown for the Saints. So I have no uh, sympathy for them. However, that being said, dealing with players, and you've dealt with players over the years in, in different sports, when you have a team, you know, that there aren't many teams that are good enough to win a Super Bowl. And the last two years, the Saints have had that. And they get eliminated from playing in the conference championship game by a miracle play by the Vikings, you know, that never should have happened. If you're, you know, one play sound defense, you, it can't happen. And then you lose on a horrible call where that play wouldn't even have been necessary had they run prior to the two minute warning and, and made them burn their timeouts, yeah. get the clock down essentially to nothing and kick the go-ahead field goal. So there's a lot of things that go into it, but for the players in that scenario, it, it's a tough go because you don't have that many opportunities to get to a Super Bowl, just unless, of course, you're in New England. But it's to have their two, last two seasons end the way they ended back-to-back is really tough because both years they've had a team that's been good enough to play in the big game. You know, there's no doubt I wouldn't be surprised if we do see some rule changes go. And you mentioned before about how the overtime rule is because of that NFC Championship game between the NFC, between the Saints and the Vikings. And one key part of it I brought up this week is, is the fact that Ben Lieber's pass interference call was bunk, right? So that's where they really felt it was unfair the Vikings couldn't even touch the ball and Brett Favre couldn't that touch was pass it. interference, come on. Yeah, it was. Let's not revise history, my friend. That he, was pass interference. There's no way. <laughs> he tackled him. Uh, he <laughs> He did. It was he was going one way. the The player was going the other, and then all of a sudden, they the ball went over his head. I mean, if anything, it's uncatchable. That I that was not yeah. pass interference. Now that that I would probably agree with, but yeah, because trust me, I was there, and I'm just like, oh, Lieber, are you kidding me? Because it was just slow Chinese water torture. Because they that put him in field goal range, and it's like they're not going to miss this field goal. It's just you know you just had that feeling, even though. Uh, I, I believe it was Garrett Hartley was the kicker at the time. He, he wasn't necessarily, you know, he was, he was no Adam Vinatieri as far as being automatic, but it was just, okay, they get another first down and another first down and they're just getting closer and closer. And uh, it was just that that was one of the worst days I've ever had covering a sporting event ever, just because of all the combination of things with what they were doing to Brett. And then, his wife trying to get in the locker room after the game to see him, to get to him and security forcing her to stay outside. And she's crying and Brett getting hugged by Percy Harvin and Adrian Peterson. I mean, it's one of the, those scenes that I'll, I'll remember till my dying day, you know, that here you have this veteran that was so close to getting back to a Super Bowl, and just what a magical story it had been all year. And you have Harvin, who's a rookie, and at that time, Peterson was only in his third season. You know, So when you think about the average NFL career, you're just scratching the surface in your third year. And the three of them hugging and the two young guys crying and apologizing to Brett that they didn't get him there. I mean, it was 
that was a day that uh, I don't think anybody will really ever forget. No, that's for sure. John Holler with us from the Viking Update. If you want to get directed to his stuff, vikingupdate.com. Let me ask you this. You mentioned because, I mean, I and part of the reason I think that the pass interference call was egregious is going back to what we saw last week, you know, it was really egregious with the Rams and Saints, but, yes. you know, pass interference – it's really inconsistent. It's to the point where yes. I'm not so much for holding or tackling a guy, but as far as hand fighting and going at it and, you know, maybe you got to hit a guy in stride now, I'm almost to the point now where you just kind of let her go, let, let her rip, get separation from the guy. You know what I mean? Where you can push and shove and whatever, just don't grab because it's so inconsistent from week one to the postseason. It drives me crazy. Right. And it's, you have different crews call it different ways. I mean, we've actually seen officials get fired because they are blowing calls and you hate to see a game come down to an official's call to decide it, especially a game of that magnitude, but they're so concerned with safety of players that that's where I think a lot of the, things come in because if a player is running full speed and you grab his jersey and you pull him sideways it's almost like a horse collar tackle where now he could hurt an ankle or a knee or something because you've taken him off his stride and that's not legal to do and i just i don't think you can ever take the human element out of the game because that's you know i mean they've talked about it in baseball just have a strike zone and if it hits the box it hits the box you know who who needs an umpire uh, because you can do super slow-mo on controversial safe and out calls. You know, I mean, we've reached a point with technology <laughs> that we can do these things, but at the same time, part of the lore of the game is the what-ifs. And if you're a Saints fan, you're going to be remembering that, you know. I mean, I was in uh, the Metrodome, and it was literally – 25, 30 years after the fact, the Vikings were playing the Cowboys and some guy got a banner inside the stadium, like an old bed sheet that he had spray painted. And it said, Pearson pushed off. <laughs> and it's like, that was in 1975. Yeah, I was Get too. Get over it. Yeah, I was you too. You know, it's like, those are the sorts of things that, you know, good, bad, or otherwise, people still, who are old enough, still remember the Hail Mary catch to, uh, Ahmad Rashad from Tommy Kramer that put him in the playoffs. They still remember the the hits on Brett from 2009. They still remember the missed field goal by Gary Anderson in 98. Those are just little things that you store away. And I think by trying to over-legislate it, you might eliminate a few of them. But I just think it's just how the game is played. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the way the NFL is printing money, uh, it doesn't appear to be broke. No, that is for sure. Do you think Gary gets blamed for that too much? I do that. I I defend him all the time because there's like seven things in that game that I I blame that, you know, it just wasn't meant to be in a much different way because I think you mentioned with the Saints game, I think in many ways it hurts me more in that one because I think they could have beat the Colts more than we could have beaten the Broncos the way that Elway played the Super Bowl that year against the Falcons. But you know what I'm getting at? Right, and they were, if you recall, they were down literally to two healthy linebackers by the time that game ended, Yeah, and John Randall was playing on one leg. So, granted, and that year, they didn't have the two weeks in between the games. For whatever reason, back then, about every three or four years, 
they always wanted it at the very end of January or as close to February 1st as they could get. And that particular year, the season started a week later and just by the way the calendar fell. And they ended up uh, having no two-week, you know, no bye week in between the two. So it was going to go directly. In fact, that's, you know, you say you don't blame Gary Anderson. Uh, Bob Lertzema was our boss at the time. And he comes into the press box before the game thinking it's just a foregone conclusion. And I'm, you know, thinking to myself, well, Atlanta was 14 and two, you know, right. this isn't some uh, second wild card that skagged their way into the championship game. These guys went 14 and two. And one of their two losses was against the Niners who were like 13 and three. So it's like, uh, you know, this isn't a cakewalk or anything, but uh, he was laying out how we're going to do it. He's like, okay, uh, John, you're going to go home after the game. You're going to pack a bag for a week. You're going to drive down to my house tonight yet. And then our flight will leave at like 8.30 in the morning on Monday. And then he's telling the boss, you're coming down on Thursday. John and I will send you stuff from media day and whatever. He had the whole week laid out. And I'm a, I'm, a, I'm superstitious by nature, so I was always a little, uh, just shut up, just shut up. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to hear any of this. And uh, when Anderson missed that field goal, it would have put them up by 10 right. with four minutes to go, something in, in that range. And when he missed it, I just looked at Bob and I said, I think we just lost Miami, which is where the Super Bowl was that year. And no, 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 don't be that way. They'll get a stop. They'll get a stop. And they just marched it right down the field. I mean, I'll remember Bert Emanuel forever, even though Bert Emanuel wasn't all that memorable. But uh, he made a couple plays in that drive that uh, Crystal Chandelier took him down the field and got him for the tying touchdown. And then we we all know what Morton Anderson did. Well, and I just I go back to Randy Moss dropped a touchdown, so they settled for three instead of seven. And Robert Griffith on the drive, they almost did get Lurtz a stop because he dropped the interception. I mean, there's so many quirky oh, yeah. things that that I just it and Robert Smith running didn't Robert Smith run out of bounds twice on that drive? I think once for Take sure. It, and well, the worst for me was running out of bounds with uh, with under five minutes yes. to go because, or excuse me, with more than five minutes to go because it stopped the clock when it wouldn't restart. Mm-hmm. He ran out on his own back then. They, if you if the play went out of bounds, it was like it was an incomplete pass. The clock stopped, which is why games were going longer. Now, if you notice, they set a 20, they set a 40 second clock, but they don't start the uh, restart the clock when a guy runs out of bounds until like 25 seconds or 30 seconds are left on the clock. So when you run out of bounds, you're keeping time on the clock. And, you know, I mean, if you're doing a deep dive on it, the uh, fact that they were on their own 15 yard line, looking to add points with a minute to go in the first half. And Atlanta had done absolutely nothing up to that point. And Randall Cunningham gets hit from behind and fumbles. And it leads to uh, Atlanta points right before halftime. And the funny thing was Denny green, that was one of the knocks on Denny was he just didn't have, a lot of faith in his offense to risk punting a ball. You know, if he had the ball with a minute and a half, a minute, 22 timeouts and was on his own 15 yard line, he'd run the clock out. He just didn't feel good about giving a team a chance for free points right before halftime, especially if they were getting the opening kick of the second half, where suddenly you could get a 10 or 14 point swing without your offense touching the ball. And he went for it. 
that year, Randy Moss taught him that we can score at any time from anywhere. And if you go back there late in the second quarter when he had that opportunity, instead of just being safe with the ball and going in, I think they were up by 10 at the time, maybe even 13, that all of a sudden now you're going to halftime, it's a game. And now the Falcons are in the locker room and Reeves is talking with them and suddenly they're going, we can beat these guys. Because that was the thing about the Vikings was they were beating teams so bad that year that they'd get in the locker room at halftime going, okay, we're down by 20. We can't run anymore. We have to throw on every down. And the Vikings didn't have a great defense that year, but they had a great pass rush. And so when you're telling them the quarterback's going to be back there in the pocket throwing every single down, it's like putting a kid in a fat kid in a candy shop. There's no doubt. Uh, any other Viking news that we'll see once this uh, week gets over? I mean, anything that might shock us, uh, you know, surprise cuts or anything like that as we get into this offseason? I think the biggest question mark they have right now is uh, Everson Griffin. Uh I would not be at all surprised if, uh, you know, because when you have those big veteran contracts, they bonuses and uh, all the other, you know, partially guaranteeing deals usually happen on the second or third day of business in March when free agency opens. And I think they're going to ask a few of their guys to restructure. And that's always a tough sell to make because, if you signed a deal two years ago, you're going, okay, yeah, it was great to get that upfront money, but my base salary was so low that I'm kind of counting on those final two or three years of my current deal to do it. And if they have to find ways to shuffle around money, uh, it'll be difficult, you know, because there are guys they want to sign, you know, Anthony Harris, the safety. I think he's going to end up replacing Andrew Sandejo if he stays. And, uh, they need to get him done. Well, what do you do with Anthony Barr? Do you use free agency to go after offensive line help? Because there's been talk of maybe even moving Riley Reef into guard and drafting a bookend left tackle with that first pick in the draft. Because this, this year isn't a uh, stellar year for the elite offensive tackles. And it's a great year for defensive players. So we might see really good offensive tackles slide farther than they would in a typical year only because there are so many outstanding defensive players in this year's draft class. Interesting. John Holler with us from the Viking Update. Vikingupdate.com will direct you to all his great stuff that he writes. Uh, Super Bowl. Who, who you got Sunday, by the way? Uh, I was just going to ask I was just going to ask oh. you about that. Uh, what's your take on I think that uh, they get uh, one for the other thumb. I think it's going to be six for the Patriots. Okay. I, I just I would love to see the Rams win just because uh um I lived in St. Louis for a few years and uh still love my Cardinals baseball team, but uh uh to have it done to you twice for your city, you know, they the Bill Bidwell took the Cardinals away to Arizona. There are no Cardinals in Arizona, just in case you're not aware. And <laughs> when they got the Rams to have it daggered to the city again by Stan Kroenke is uh, it's just heartbreaking for them. But the funny thing was, at the beginning of the year, we were doing predictions for a, a website, and I picked the Rams to beat the Patriots. Because when I, when I looked at the AFC, I, I thought, you know, obviously Andy Reid sees something in Patrick Mahomes, but I didn't envision the sort of uh, 
craziness that we saw this year as far as just wide open try to stop this you know we're going to put up 40 can you score 41 against our defense but the two you know i I thought it was going to be new england or pittsburgh because you know you can make a lot of money making that safe bet that any given year new england will be in it and pittsburgh will be in it but it's just kind of the way that organizations are made now if you go back and look just over the last 18 months, what the Rams did as far as signing impact players, trading for them, they, especially on defense, they added so many guys, you know, you Brandon Cooks, Akib Tlaib, Marcus Peters, and Dominican Sue Fowler, you know, I mean, they just went out and got really, really aggressive knowing that this is not a blueprint that lasts. This has about a two-year shelf life with those guys because you signed them either on the end of con, you traded for players on the end of their contract, or they're getting paid so much in the short term that it's not going to be a four or five-year process. It's like we are built to win right now, and I think you're going to see other teams adopt that strategy of kind of like the NBA style where we, if we can put these guys to, if we can put the pieces together here for one or two years, it'll bust our salary cap that we're going to have 10 really, really high paid players and 40 guys making almost minimum, but we can do this. And uh, so I, you know, I would never bet against the Patriots because uh, you lose your money more times than not doing that. But I, pick the Rams to beat the Patriots at the beginning of the year. And I, I got to stick with it just out of personal loyalty and uh, kind of, you know, hurt my rotator cuff, patting myself on the back. <laughs> that works for me. I, I've been there, done that. I, there, I'm <laughs> Believe me, as a talk show host, uh, I told you so moments do come far and few be, between. So I, I can totally relate to that. Say, I told you so. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of the way I feel right now about, and I saw this meme the other day. So I got in a little Facebook conversation. I, I don't know if you, saw that but someone put a meme up with all the Kirk Cousins where he finished the stats and then he proceeded to say I don't see Case Keenum on all these and I said well a I don't care what he did in Denver he took a five and ten team and they went to what six you know or a f- five and 11. yeah five and eleven they went to six and ten I mean they're just not a good team right now and I was no. told this off season that Kirk even though he wasn't successful with the Washington Redskins now he had better people around him and it didn't really work out that way. I mean, I just – and listen, I hope Kirk does well the next two years. I'm a Viking fan, so it's going to be very apparent if they're going to do well, he's going to do well. But I, I don't like the ripping on case, you know, trying to make a case that it shouldn't happen. I said early on, hey, seven uh, – what, he had eight turnovers, seven interceptions and eight, uh, one fumble, right, last year? Yep. And then this year you're sitting at, what, 17 or whatever it was, if, if you look at the fumbles right. and interceptions. I mean, that's a huge factor in why you go from 13-3 and three to 8-7-1. and one. Yeah, and uh, it was, you know, I mean, the defense struggled early on in the year, but you look over the last two months of the season from the time they lost to the Rams the first time they played them, because that's another reason why I'm kind of leaning towards the Rams was the Vikings had a chance to beat both those teams. They played the Rams in LA. They played the Patriots in new England. And I thought they had a better chance to beat new England because if you remember, it was, they, they took a lead in that game 
And then all of a sudden Brady just said, okay, you know, we're done playing with these guys. And they scored 14 points in their next two possessions and boom, boom. It went from being a, uh, you know, like a three point lead to a 11 point deficit. And the game for all intents was over because they did it third quarter rolling into the fourth quarter. And there just wasn't enough time to really do anything to uh, try to make a comeback. But uh, what I saw the Rams do to the Vikings defense was about as impressive as anything I'd seen all year. And if they've got all their horses healthy and good to go, I think McVay is going to bring out some craziness because he, he knows that uh, Bill Belichick is going to be prepared. He's going to see every play that they've done since he took over as head coach. So it won't be due to a lack of preparation for either team, but like I say, I, I hope it's going to be a great game. You know, I would have loved to have seen the Rams in Kansas City see the I-70 series right. and uh, uh, have a game like they played on that Monday night game where, you know, I think if you had a 54-51 game in a Super Bowl, the ratings would shatter anything that had ever happened before and probably after. Well, that and the fact the uh, people would have bet the over-under trying to figure out where that number was going to be. Like, it's yeah. never seen and the over-under would have had to have been 75. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's the that problem. Would have, that would have been – well, that would have been fun. That's what makes it interesting, right, is right. who's going to pick something that high. So that would have – Yeah, find somebody to bet the under. we got to put this thing so inflatedly <laughs> high just to get as many people voting betting under as over. It, it would have approached 70, I think. Oh, for which sure. Which would have just been nuts. Yeah, these two t- teams, you know, getting thirty-five each, that would have been nothing. That would have been a, yeah, a lot of fun. I'd have taken that <laughs> for sure. I'd have taken that. All right, John, enjoy your Super Bowl. Stay warm if you can, because this is ridiculously yeah. cold. And you know, what do you do? It's, I guess we, yep. we 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 live up here. We have no one to blame but ourselves. So that's true. That's true. <laughs> so keep your complaints to yourself. But I uh, hope you and your listeners have a great time. And I'm sure we'll be catching up here when we get closer to free agency and then the draft because. Uh, uh, while our season for this, for Vikings fans is over, the NFL never stops churning. And uh, a month from now, we're going to be breaking down who stays and who goes and who might be out there on the free agent market that they may be interested in. And watching Viking fans melt down if they don't take an offensive lineman in the first round. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All Twitter right. will explode. <laughs> right. All right. Thank you so much, John. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Take care. You bet. John Holler with us. Viking Update. VikingUpdate.com will get you directed to all his great stuff that he does right. This is the Front Row Show. Derek Hansen with you on the Mighty 790 KFGO.